What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. So I'm back from my, like, 11-day vacay in the various deserts <laughs> in SoCal and Arizona. It was fucking amazing. Uh, we kind of, like, RV'd it and just kind of, like, slowly made our way to Salome, Arizona. Um, we stayed a night in Lake Havasu, which I wasn't really a fan of. Not my thing. There was a bunch of, like, skanks half-naked dancing on boats and shit. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't need to see no floppy tits bouncing around. Let's go look for some reptiles. So we moved to Salome, and believe it or not, like, the reptiles were not as plentiful as I imagined they would be in the Arizona desert. However, we did find a sidewinder, we found some chuckwallas, we found a gecko, actually we found a gecko in California, uh, all kinds of like whiptail lizards, it was fucking amazing. And then on the way back home, we stopped in Death Valley for a few days, and honestly that was the best part of the trip. There's like this spot where there's hot springs and you can just go swim in it, so that was fucking next level amazing. I just have to say I got literally the best boyfriend in the world. This was all his idea because he's the bomb. And yeah, I'm super happy I went on it. Only bad thing is I got sun poisoning. The day I got back, I was so fucking sick. I was hella sunburned and I'm super white. Like some people describe me as a ginger without the red hair. My skin is that white. So I come back and I have like a full body sunburn, even though I literally had sunblock like SPF 50 and SPF 70 that I religiously reapplied and reapplied. But yeah, I get back and like, I am so sick. I have a headache. I'm throwing up for two days. I thought I was dying. I started to get heart palpitations and shit because I was throwing up so much. Yeah. Sun poisoning. I do not recommend it. Today's literally like the first day I'm not fucking like hunched over wishing for death. So yeah, back in California and literally the minute we got back to California and stopped at a gas station, I felt like screaming and getting the fuck back in the car and leaving California. Every motherfucker at the gas station is wearing a mask. And I'm like, dude, aren't we over masks? Because nobody in Arizona is fucking wearing them. I saw like three people maybe. And in California, like, these motherfuckers are, like, acting like, if you don't wear a mask, you're going to fucking get Ebola and shit. I mean, come on, really? I thought we were past the point of actually believing the mask bullshit, but apparently not. It literally makes me want to get the fuck out of California and go to a state where people can actually think for themselves. So, I don't know, that's definitely on the forefront of my mind. And that sucks, because I'm like five generations deep in this bitch, California. My fucking ancestors came here in the 1850s, and I'll, all my family's basically here. But I just fucking, there's so many liberal morons that basically kind of live in the cities, like, you know, the Bay Area or LA or shit like that. And because so many people live there versus the suburbs or the rural areas, which are more conservative... We always get marched to the beat of the demon rat lemming. And these motherfuckers are literally marching us off a cliff to give up our rights and give up any freedom of thought or speech. And, oh, wait, have I mentioned Gavin Newsom is officially recalled? We get to vote to get that motherfucker out of there. 
fucking nepotism. You're going down, Gab man. But anyway, I got a lot to tell you today about, uh, we got an update on a story. And I have some mysterious information about the Grand Canyon we're going to talk about today. So, first we're going to get to the update on an older story concerning Suzanne Morphew. Guess what, guys? Stupid sunburn face Barry Morphew was arrested today and charged with the murder of Suzanne Morphew. I fucking called that from day one. You look at that fucking guy's face, you can tell he's always up to some bullshit and he is not to be trusted. He thinks he's smarter than everyone else, a fucking classic narcissist. 100% I thought this guy was guilty from the start. If you go back and actually listen to Suzanne's episode, I fucking say it multiple times throughout multiple episodes. And today he's been arrested, which is amazing because Suzanne was probably murdered on or around Mother's Day last year. Her body hasn't been found and there's not much the police are saying at this point. And actually, I think it's sheriffs, not police. But Barry's ass has been arrested and that just kind of brings me some joy. His ass is not going to get away with it. So now I'm like, okay, what are her daughters going to say? Because all along they've been totally quiet and supporting their dad. And I get it. Nobody wants to believe their fucking dad murdered their mom. But just because you don't want to believe something doesn't make it so. Fucking people need to get their heads out of the goddamn Disney clouds and realize life is not fair. Life is hard. Life is beautiful. Life is terrifying. But where the fuck was I going with this? I don't even know at this point. (laughs) But... These fucking daughters, I don't know if they're going to come out and say something. I don't know if they're going to make a statement through maybe a lawyer or something or if they're just going to remain silent. But I know the daughters have been a topic of many conversations because they just haven't said anything. They never put out a plea for their mother to come back. They weren't at any of the searches. So, yeah, a lot of people don't know what to think about that whole thing. So at a press conference today, the sheriffs announced that Mr. Morphew had been charged with first-degree murder in connection to Suzanne's disappearance, as well as tampering with evidence and attempting to influence a public servant. So did Barry try to bribe somebody and get busted like the dumb motherfucker he is? I don't know. I really hope that they find Suzanne's body. The sheriffs say they are going to continue the investigation because, you know, as of right now, her body hasn't even been found. And, you know, I'm sure her family, her real family, her brother, you know, that part of her family really want to give her a proper burial. They want justice for Suzanne and they want Barry to pay. This motherfucker thought he was smarter than the police. He thought he was smarter than the public when he made that little tearful plea to, you know, have Suzanne back. Fucking liar. I don't know. I I mean, I'm sure a lot of people thought this guy was guilty. I mean, obviously, just based on statistics, murdered women are usually murdered by an intimate partner. But as stuff started to come out about Barry, he seemed like a fucking pervert creeper and I don't know, just something on his face made me think he was guilty. Besides the sunburn. Like, who the fuck lets their face get sunburned like that so much all the time? I don't even know, but it bugged the shit out of me. SPF 70, Barry. Come on. Okay, so before we get into today's story, I just want to let you guys know about this. So check this out. And this isn't me talking. This is somebody else. 
So, my boyfriend's boss sent all of his employees to work from home for the next 10 days and bought everyone a week's worth of groceries. His business is not that small, so this was a huge shift and a lot of money today. He said the reason he did this is because he has sources saying the USA will be on lockdown for 7 to 10 days in the next week and that we will not have phone or internet service. He's saying it involves election fraud. In addition, I have a good friend who is very high up in the Air Force in information security. He has never been a conspiracy theorist and is not religious or very political. He told me he's been working 16-hour shifts and that he's been woken up several times in the last month, usually between 1 to 2 a.m., to start working early. He said something huge is coming and that it's beyond life-altering. So I kind of looked into it. The only thing I could really find that I connected to it, which could be totally fucking wrong, is... FEMA and DHS this week will be conducting electromagnetic pulse drills. And supposedly, there is a Chinese missile hurtling through the atmosphere right now, apparently about to crash into Earth somewhere. So I don't know. Those two things may be connected to that. They may not be. Uh, I don't know. But of course, I just want to let you guys know what I'm finding out. Because if that's true... Uh, I don't know, or we're about to be in a whole a world of hurt. So the week before last, or maybe it was the week before that, I don't fucking know, I was talking about how the Holocaust did not start with the gas chambers, that it started with words. It started with a government turning one section of the population against the other. And I kind of see that happening now with these crazy motherfucking liberals Basically convincing all of their liberal friends that everyone needs to be vaccinated, everyone needs to social distance, everyone needs to wear a mask. So I came across this thread on Reddit today. Check this shit out. It's from Panther underscore squad. Yeah, motherfucker, I'm calling you out. They wrote, we need to make life an absolute nightmare if you are unvaccinated. No parents vaccinated, no school for the kids, no subways, no bus, not even allowed to step foot in an airport, pull all government assistance. I really give zero shits here. Fuck you if you aren't getting it. Then design-shark replies, you should be mayor. And Alexa Farm says, they've got my vote. And this motherfucker was upvoted hella times. So it's kind of like their little group hive thing going on, wanting to basically persecute a whole group of people because they don't want to get a fucking vaccination that's experimental. And it's not even a vaccination in the true sense of the word. Just because motherfuckers change a definition doesn't make it so. So yeah, that's what's going on out there, you guys. These are the motherfuckers that are like getting the shot and like posting pictures of their vax certification and their fucking fat faces stuffed with a stupid ass Krispy Kreme donut. These motherfuckers, that's who I'm talking about. So just pay attention. They're trying to get vaccine passports. Private citizens want to fucking just make unvaccinated people's lives hell, apparently. I don't even know why. It's like, I don't even give a fuck. If you want to get vaccinated, do you. But don't fucking worry about what I'm doing. I have an immune system. I'm fucking healthy. 
I don't need to go get shot up with some mRNA bullshit that has about six to eight months worth of research on. And I don't know if you guys know this, but there has never been an effective corona vaccine. Every time they try, this is basically what happens. So they make up the vaccine with a modified live version of the coronavirus, just like most vaccines are. They inject the animal or whatever. And at first, everything seems fine. But if they are then exposed to the natural virus, just like in the environment, their body either goes into a crazy overreaction that kills them or their body just doesn't even try to fight the virus and the virus ends up killing them. So something like 90% of the animals always ended up dying with this vaccine they had tried to make. So here we go. Yeah, we. so now let's just fuck around some mRNA motherfuckers and Pfizer that is now trying to vaccinate two-year-olds to 11-year-olds. They've already made billions of dollars off this shit. Fucking Fauci's made hella money. All those cronies up there in the government and the CDC and the NIH, they're all fucking dirty. You guys, the NIH, which Fauci was running, funded the Wuhan Viral Lab Institute, whatever the fuck it's called. And they also funded the research into the coronavirus. And now fucking Fauci has his dirty little fingers and patents for the virus. I mean, does nobody see a fucking conflict of interest? And of course, the mainstream media doesn't really talk about it. I actually did a whole episode on how the NIH was funding the Wuhan Institute and how the main American scientist over there that was doing the gain of research was then doing the investigation into how the whole fucking virus escaped, where it came from, all that shit. Nobody sees a fucking conflict of interest. But whatever, we're getting over it. Let's get to the point now, fucking eight years later. So like I said earlier, today I'm gonna be telling you about the Grand Canyon and more specifically, the underground Egyptian city that one archeologist hired by the Smithsonian said he found when he was trying to map the West. So I'm just going to kind of give you the details of what I could find, which isn't a lot. And sometimes, you know, when you can't find information on something, it's easier to just dismiss as a hoax. But some people say when information has been scrubbed or it's really hard to find that somebody's trying to hide something. And that's what some people say is happening in this specific case. So let me just kind of give you background here. Before we start, I just want to let you guys know, if you want more information, check out the site treasuresinamerica.com. I got a lot of my information from that website. And there was also a newspaper article in an old ass newspaper called the Arizona Gazette dated April 5th, 1909. Okay, so I need to throw a couple of dates at you here. In 1908... Theodore Roosevelt declared the Grand Canyon a national monument. And then by 1919, the Grand Canyon's status of national park was granted. So just pay attention to those dates. Remember those dates because it is kind of really important to the story and it may indicate one of the biggest cover-ups in human history, archaeological history, American history. So just remember those dates, okay, guys? So in the early 1900s, the Smithsonian Institute hired a man named Mr. Kincaid, and he was an archaeologist. 
They wanted him to discover basically what was going on in the western states. His trip was basically going to consist of several places, but one location had changed the way he thought about the Grand Canyon, our government organizations that research history. He started his trip in the Green River, Utah, on the Colorado River, through what's known as the Utah's Canyonlands. He did have somebody with him and a wooden boat. That's some hardcore shit, you guys. Can you imagine fucking 1900s and you and your homeboy got a wooden boat and you're just going to fucking wing it down the Colorado River that hasn't been explored? Hard as fuck. So basically their plans were to kind of float down the Colorado River to Yuma to document and explore this area because nobody, and when I say nobody, I basically mean white people in our government because, you know, there's Native Americans there for thousands of years. So none of those people I just said really knew anything about the area. They wanted it mapped out. They wanted to see what kind of natural resources were there, that kind of shit. And you have to imagine back in the day like that, there were no man-made structures. There was no Lake Powell Dam. There was nothing stopping them if they got caught in some fat rapids and went over a waterfall. So you have to just fucking think about how crazy these trips were. These pioneers were some hardcore motherfuckers. That's all I got to say about that. So I'm going to read you the news story that the Arizona Gazette put out on the evening of April 5th, 1909. The latest news of the progress of the exploration of what is now regarded by scientists as not only the oldest archaeological discovery in the United States, but one of the most valuable in the world, which was mentioned some time ago in the Gazette. It was brought to the city yesterday by G.E. Kincaid, the explorer who found the great underground citadel of the Grand Canyon, during a trip from the Green River, Wyoming, down the Colorado, in a wooden boat, to Yuma several months ago. According to the story related to the Gazette by Mr. Kincaid, the archaeologists of the Smithsonian Institute, which is financing the expeditions, have made discoveries that almost conclusively prove that the race which inhabited this mysterious cavern, hewn in solid rock by human hands, was of oriental origin, possibly from Egypt, tracing back to Ramses. If their theories are born out of translations of the tablets engraved with hieroglyphics, the mystery of the prehistoric peoples of North America, their ancient arts, who they were, and whence they came, will be solved. Egypt and the Nile, and Arizona and the Colorado will be linked by a historical chain running back to ages, which staggers the wildest fancy of a fictionist. So the article goes on kind of to describe what was found. They say several hundred rooms have been discovered, reached by passageways running from the main passage, one of them having been explored for 854 feet and another 634 feet. The recent finds include articles that have never been known as native to this country, and doubtless they had their origin in the Orient. War weapons, copper instruments, sharp-edged and hard as steel, indicate the high state of civilization reached by these strange people. So interested have the scientists become that preparations are being made to equip the camp for extensive studies, and the force will be increased to 30 or 40 persons. Kincaid then goes on to kind of describe 
the entrance to this whole chamber. He says, first, I would impress that the cavern is nearly inaccessible. The entrance is 1,486 feet down a sheer canyon wall. It is located on government land and no visitor will be allowed there under penalty of trespass. The scientists wish to work unmolested without fear of archaeological discoveries being disturbed by curio or relic hunters. A trip there would be fruitless and the visitor would be sent on his way. The story of how I found the cavern has been related, but in a paragraph. I was journeying down the Colorado River in a boat alone looking for mineral. Some 42 miles up the river from El Tovar Crystal Canyon, I saw on the east wall stains in the sedimentary formation about 2,000 feet above the riverbed. There was no trail to this point, but I finally reached it with great difficulty. Above a shelf that hid it from view from the river was the mouth of the cave. There are steps leading from this entrance some 30 yards to what was, at the time of the cavern was inhabited, the level of the river. When I saw the chisel marks on the wall inside the entrance, I became interested, securing my gun and went in. During that trip, I went back several hundred feet along the main passageway till I came to the crypt in which I discovered mummies. One of these I stood up and photographed by flashlight. I gathered a number of relics which I carried down to the Colorado to Yuma, from where hence I shipped them to Washington with details of the discovery. Following this, the explorations were undertaken. Kincaid then goes on to describe some of the stuff he found. He says he found a quote-unquote idol, or an image of the people's god, sitting cross-legged with a lotus flower or lily in each hand. The cast of the face is oriental and the carving of this cavern. The idol almost resembles Buddha, though the scientists are not certain as to what religious worship it represents. So he says surrounding this idol, there are smaller images. Some are very beautiful in form, others crooked-necked and distorted, symbolical, probably of good and evil. He says there are two large cactus with protruding arms, one on each side of the dais, on which the god squats. He's saying it's all carved out of rock, resembling marble. He says in the opposite corner, there were found tools of all descriptions made of copper. So basically, he's saying these people knew the lost art of hardening the metal, which had been sought by chemicals for centuries without result. Some of the other stuff they found are vases or urns and cups of copper and gold made very artistic in design. He says he found pottery work, which include enameled ware and glazed vessels. He says there was one a very large storehouse that hasn't even been entered yet. He says it was 12 feet high and could be reached only from above. As far as like trying to decipher who these people are, they say there's hieroglyphics on all the urns or walls over doorways and tablets of stone which were found by the image are the mysterious hieroglyphics. The key to which Smithsonian Institute hopes yet to discover. The engraving on the tablets probably has something to do with the religion of the people. Similar hieroglyphics have been found in southern Arizona. Among the pictorial writings, only two animals are found. One is of prehistoric type. Hmm. So with the size of the cavern Kincaid has described, they think that upwards of 50,000 people could have lived in these caverns comfortably. And one theory is that the present Indian tribes found in Arizona are descendants of the serfs or slaves of the people which inhabited the cave. 
undoubtedly a good many thousands of years before Christian era. People lived here, which reached a high stage of civilization. The chronology of human history is full of gaps, you guys. And it's almost like if you find evidence that kind of, I guess, throws the official timeline of humans out of place, they'll blacklist your ass. They'll fucking bury it because they really want to stick to the timeline that is the official narrative. So what is going on in these gaps of human history? Why are they finding hieroglyphics in fucking Arizona? Hmm. And I know they have found cocaine as well as marijuana in the bodies, like in the systems of mummies found in Egypt. So maybe there is some evidence to point to Egyptians made their way to America way before fucking Chris O. Columbus. So if you dig in to Hopi Indian legend and tradition, you'll find that they have stories that say their ancestors once lived in an underworld in the Grand Canyon till dissension arose between the good and the bad, the people of one heart and the people of two hearts. Machetto, who was their chief, counseled them to leave the underworld, but there was no way out. The chief then caused a tree to grow up and pierce the roof of the underworld, and then the people of one heart climbed out. They tarried by the Red River, which is the Colorado, and grew grain and corn. They sent a message to the Temple of the Sun asking the blessing of peace, good, will, and reign for people of one heart. That messenger never returned, but today the Hopi villages at sundown can be seen, the old men of the tribe out on housetops gazing towards the sun, looking for the messenger. When he returns, their lands and ancient dwelling place will be restored to them. That is their tradition. Okay, so going back to the treasuresinamerica.com article written by Timothy Draper, he says he actually put like eight years worth of research into this subject and he has more questions now than answers. He wants to know, why did the Arizona Gazette write an article about the archaeologist's discovery? Was it just fake news? Filling a slot in the newspaper? Why did the story come and go? Some say that the archaeologist even went public and said that he lied about the discovery. That's very interesting, too. What would it benefit to make up a story like this and then to drop the subject? Fame? But the archaeologist revoked his story. So where did that even get him? It does kind of make you wonder why the government wouldn't want us to know about this information. And I think it's kind of just like common sense that it would change human history. If there was suddenly a fucking like city or civilization that is big as Egypt discovered in North America, come on, that would literally change the writing of human history. And for some reason, that seems to be like a blacklisted offense if you try to fucking put out any discovery that goes against the narrative. How fucking surprising. I mean, I get it to a degree. Uh, the government probably wouldn't want fucking treasure hunters running around all over there fucking shit up like they have done in the past. But it's not like they haven't been able to rope off archaeological sites in the past and keep fuckers out of there from stealing shit. Why would this be so different? So like I'm always telling you guys, do your own research. Go on Bing or DuckDuckGo. Type in the hidden or lost city in the Grand Canyon. Do your own research. See what you can find because it's a super interesting subject. And there's a lot more details I didn't add in this. So go check out the article I mentioned and see what you can find. 
if you find something that's like fucking groundbreaking, let me know. You can email me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com or come to the Instagram and typed in vanishedinthevalleyathena or the parlor account, which I kind of forget to log into every now and then. But yeah, the email and Instagram are probably the best ways to get me. I'm hoping that nobody is having issues listening to my podcast anymore. It should be worked out. I haven't had any issues. I've been able to access it on basically every platform I was before. So if you have issues finding my show, let me know and I'll try to get it worked out. I don't know what the fuck is going on with these dumbasses. So before I run out of here tonight, I do have to say, what's up, Australia? I see hella people over there turning into my show. I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. Come say what's up. Drop me a line. Shoot the shit. You know. Um, But as usual, the United States is always in the first place by fucking thousands of people. So that's what's up. USA, USA. (laughs) I'm a dumbass. Don't mind me. But anyway, be aware. And don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.